It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, I hope you're doing all right today. As you can see, uh, starting off with the show, uh, pressing all kinds of buttons today uh, with these fat fingers. I don't know. I didn't hit the right one at first. One, two, three. Yeah. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I all go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal, and apparently I'm going to go... <coughs> Apparently, I'm going all the way there for some wings, too, next time, but uh, that's another story. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molinar, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Looking to get a signed copy? Don't worry about it. Visit the website, billycboxing.com. Click on the book. Can't miss it. And uh, don't forget... That fat guy in the red suit who's going to be cramming his fat ass down your chimney soon. What's better than a book from me to one of your peoples that's on your Christmas list? That's right. Tom Molino from Bondage to Better Man on the Planet makes a great Christmas gift. Fits right in the stocking. If you're looking to get more than one copy, just drop me an email. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, got some big fights this weekend. Uh, specifically, uh, Vasily Lomachenko uh, going up against uh, Guillermo Rigondeau. Uh, we will be breaking down and giving you our uh, predictions on that fight, as well as uh, some of the ones uh, I personally uh, uh, favor this weekend. Uh, so uh, coming up a little bit later, we will be uh, uh, giving you uh, breakdowns and predictions uh, on the uh, Jean Pascal fight against Ahmed uh, Ibiliad tonight. Uh, as well as uh, Saturday, James DeGal against Caleb Truax. Uh, like I told you, the Rigondeau-Lomachenko fight, the Orlando Salido-Mickey uh, Roman fight, plus Daniel Dubois, Triple D, if you will, a heavyweight we're keeping an eye on from England. We'll talk about his fight as well. But first, some news I wanted to talk about. Now, ESPN has been doing uh, fights for a long time. And for uh, a, a good portion, at least for the last, 
a decade or so, we got to watch Friday Night Fights. And that went bye-bye, thanks to uh, Al Heyman. Uh, but what we've seemed to have taken in its place is some pretty big, high-profile fights, specifically uh, promoted by Top Rank, and a deal that they cut with ESPN. Um, one of the things about ESPN that you like or don't like, or let me rephrase that, that I like and sometimes don't like, is Teddy Atlas. Now, it's not because I don't think this guy knows his stuff, because he does. There's uh, um, not uh, as many knowledgeable boxing guys as Teddy Atlas. Now, my hang-up with Teddy, and I've said this many, many times, is that Teddy Atlas will give you his opinion on something and not listen to yours. His opinion is right, and if you don't agree with him, everybody else is wrong. He's been uh, in the press lately for, uh, you know, any time a judge uh, has a different score than, than he writes with his crayon on his coloring book during the broadcast. You know, it's a robbery. It's a fa- it's this. It's, it's an outrage. You know, that's all Teddy Atlas. But with all that said, Teddy Atlas is still uh, an entertaining uh, compliment, in my opinion, uh, to, uh, to the ESPN uh, boxing broadcast. It was announced the other day. Uh, specifically Wednesday, that Teddy Atlas will not be on the broadcast for the lomachenko Guillermo rigandal fight this Saturday night. And one of the reasons was because the last time he was on that he was uh, kind of having a verbal sparring contest with Mark Kriegel, who's a new addition to the ESPN broadcast. And apparently the powers that be decided that they would rather uh, stick with Joe Tessitore, Mark Kriegel, Tim, Timothy Bradley, and then, of course, Bernardo Osuma, and a guy who doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook, Stephen A. Smith. I'm not so sure I support that. Joining me right now with his thoughts uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, Teddy Atlas, I've been critical of him in the past. You've been neutral, but, you know, you've said pros and cons about him. But at the end of the day, he kind of is synonymous with the ESPN broadcast. What's your thoughts about them kicking him to the curb for this weekend's big fight? Well, not only is he synonymous, but uh, he also, I mean, he does know boxing. Let's face it. He knows boxing. How he relates and articulates it is a matter of opinion. Um, I think he does a good job and better job at times, more times than not. Um, and And I called it. Every time you say something you're not supposed to say or flex your muscle or uh, I knew it. I saw the exact thing happen and I said, you know, his days are going to be numbered and they're going to find a way to squeak him out. But whenever you talk up against the suits or whatever you do and you you, you put somebody in their place because it's your opinion, it's your, you know, it's how you feel, uh, you're going to be at least um, uh, uh, penalized or or at least – get the ruler over the knuckles and i think that's what happened just right here you're gonna see the same thing i called it with roy jones jr he flexes his muscle and his opinion and he tells those guys hey guess what that's not what just happened and that's not just what i saw this is what i saw so it's a matter of time before roy jones gets a little bit of a a benchmark set you know well i mean i listen i i would much rather listen to uh, roy jones we're not talking about roy here but uh, roy jones to me just uh, he bothers me in a different manner than I Teddy know. Atlas. I know. But but with, with all that said, you know Teddy Atlas seems, and, and he and Joe Tessitore seem to 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 click. 
sometimes they kiss his ass a little too much. But this guy, Mark Kriegel, who they introduced the last broadcast, this guy knew nothing about boxing. He was a writer. Big deal. I have no idea how he even got in there. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Teddy has a tendency to to challenge non-boxing guys. And and I, I, I got to support him for that. You know, the truth of the matter is, is what boxing needs is boxing people. Teddy Atlas is a boxing guy, whether you like him or not. Sometimes I like watching him. Sometimes I don't. I'm critical of him uh, sometimes and sometimes I'm not. But the one thing I admire about Teddy is that he's a boxing guy. He's in the, yes. he's a boxing guy in the boxing business calling a boxing event. That's what should happen. Joe Tessitore is a blow-by-blow guy. He's an announcer. He's that guy that you need to, to, to drive the bus, so to speak. And I don't have a problem with him. Timothy Bradley is candy. You know, a little sweetening in a pot uh, with uh, a, a fighter's perspective. That trio is fine. Mark Kriegel doesn't fit in. He's not a boxing guy. He's a writer. He's not a boxing expert. He's a writer, and he's a jerk, as it is. I agree <laughs> with Teddy Atlas 100%. As far as Bernardo Asuna, I mean, this guy, you know, every time he mentions somebody's name, hey, joining the ring right now is Ricardo Lopez. You know, I mean, come on, man. I get it. I get it with him and Bill. the pronunciation and all of that. But, you know, even if you put all those guys aside, to have Stephen A. Smith part of the broadcast, even in a limited manner, is ridiculous. This guy is nothing but a loudmouth who obviously knows shit about boxing. He doesn't know a damn thing about the sport of boxing except his butt buddy, Floyd Mayweather. That's it. Why they have this guy on, I don't know, man. Your thoughts, Sal? I'll tell you, my thoughts are going like... Remember Ricochet Rabbit? Bing, bing, bing. I'll tell you. Bill, unfortunately, uh, I mean, you're hitting on the head. You're right. And and uh, believe me, Teddy Atlas, uh, love him or hate him, the guy knows boxing. He's a boxing guy. And I do appreciate where he comes from. And um, I'll tell you, what we don't see and what we do know, these guys are in their own little war room with the suits, making decisions, and they're not marketing to you or I or the diehard boxing fan because they take that for granted. That's a gimme. That's their audience. What they're doing is marketing and advertising to the general public that may turn on a fight that are curious to see the fight that they're going to capture. And so they look at what's the team, what's the formula, what do they want to do? Do they want a, a dumbed-down guy that, that that's going to go off the cuff? Do they want a knowledgeable guy? So they, they try to do different mixes. They try a different formula. And that's all they're doing. They're just experimenting a little bit. They're going to see what kind of ratings they get, what kind of favors they get, what kind of chemistry is on the, on the air. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a trial thing. That's all that it's doing right now. It's not permanent, but... You know, that's what these guys do. They don't market to you and I. We're the gimme. That's that's a, that's neither here or there. They're marketing to the mass majority of the public that is a casual boxing fan or something else who they can get up there that, that, that has some credibility but not a great deal of credibility. It's not going to be questioned because they don't want their announcers questioned or conf- confronted with because these guys know stop, squat, stop. I, don't know, I want to say something. I almost let it go to leave my lips. They don't know squat and on some levels. So that's why they, they want to dumb it down where they can with not having to have people call them out and embarrass them and all that other stuff. Well, 
you may well, be trying to be a nice him. guy or whatever, but Mark Kriegel is not a boxing guy. He's not a boxing guy. And quite frankly, neither is Joe Tessitore, uh, and neither is Asuna. Uh, definitely not Stephen A. Smith. I mean, I, listen, one of my battle cries for a long time has been boxing needs more boxing people. Listen, yes. don't get me wrong. I'm not a, a, a big fan of Teddy Atlas or anything like that, but I think that he's a, 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 a guy because of his boxing background, should be part of a broadcast. Uh, maybe ESPN is, is trying to lean away from him. Okay, I'm okay with that. Don't get me wrong. But you don't replace him with a non-boxing guy. Find another boxing guy who can replace Teddy Atlas from a point where you want boxing people sitting behind their mics. You can't have a bunch of jabonis that don't know a left hook from a fish hook, and they're trying to, uh, you know, make uh, uh, some kind of... Uh, it's a smoke... Listen, it's a smoke screen, no matter how you look at it. I, I totally disagree with ESPN. As much as I, I get aggravated by Teddy Atlas, to, to replace him, in a sense, with Mark Krieg... Well, okay, listen, everybody watched the, the, the broadcast this week, and, and get, give your marks on Kriegel and Tessitor and Bradley and Osruma uh, and Stephen A. Smith. And let me know what you think and see if you notice uh, a void without Teddy Atlas. And no, Teddy Atlas didn't send me a check. I don't even like the guy. But uh, anyway, speaking of uh, battle cries, did oh, you hear boy. the news that uh, Manny Pacquiao the other day was officially uh, got promoted in the Philippine Army as a colonel. He's a colonel, a full-fledged colonel. Wow. He's now wow. Lieutenant Colonel Manny Pacquiao. Um I didn't even know well, he was I didn't even know he was lieutenant. I didn't even know he was in the service. You know, I didn't even know that he was in in the army, let alone getting promoted to uh, a colonel. What does that mean? I mean, uh I mean, Colonel Sanders was a colonel of the chicken, fried chicken. You know, uh, Colonel Bob uh, is an announcer for boxing. Uh, is that what the type of is that the type of colonel that Manny Pacquiao's? He's like Colonel Manny Pacquiao. I mean, isn't that disrespectful to a true, you know, uh, armed forces colonel, a guy that makes rank uh, in the armed forces uh, because he starts out as a private? peeling potatoes or whatever, and then becomes a, a lieutenant colonel. Isn't that kind of a slap in the face? Isn't that the ki same kind of thing as when we talk about, uh, oh, all of a sudden this guy out of nowhere gets a world title shot and you got 100 uh, <laughs> guys working their butts off in the gym and they're being bypassed because maybe they weren't paid off. What's your thoughts? Well, you got it right on the head, man. I'll tell you what. It's a, it, it is could be a slap in the face unless it's like an honorary thing, but – you know, a lieutenant colonel is not a full bird colonel, but uh, lieutenant colonel is still high up in the ranks, okay? And uh, um, I don't know how their, their ranking system works in the Philippines. I'm sure it's very similar to ours. And a lieutenant colonel is, is somebody that's been there, done that, and has worked hard in the books, studied, ta has taken tests, has had their pay grade elevated. And, you know, it, it says a lot when you are a lieutenant colonel, when you are any officer in the military, it says a lot. When you are an NCO, it says a lot. When you are in the military, it says a lot. So, yes, when you're talking about people that, that are volunteering or recruited into an army or military 
and they're working hard and they're doing what they have to do to get their pay grades or their ranking moving up and everything else. And then all of a sudden you say, hey, let's give Manny Pacquiao a lieutenant colonel status and now he's in the military. Yeah, it could be it could be a very uh, 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 disheartening um, event on some level to some Filipinos that are in the military that have worked hard to be there as well. So I don't know. Maybe it's an honorary thing. That's what I'm. Sure, that's what I'm pretty much, I'm much sure of that. You know, uh, we mentioned the other day uh, World Boxing Super Series, um, which uh, I love the whole concept. And and man, have we been treated with some great fights. And speaking of great fights, don't forget, email me your top five or ten, however many you feel, uh, top five or ten uh, fights of 2017. We'll read them on air. We had. Uh, uh, some really good ones uh, la- uh, the other uh, the other day that we were reading. So uh, I want to hear from you. So uh, email them to me, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G uh, dot com. The other day we mentioned that the uh, semifinal bout between IBF World Cruiserweight Champ Mur- uh, Murat Gassiev and WBA World Champion uh, Unir Dortikos uh, had been scheduled in Russia for February third. Well, they announced that the other uh, semi-final bout, so the two winners will face each other for the Ali Trophy, um, which will uh, put uh, um, WBO world champion uh, Alexander Yusik uh, going up against the WBC champion Marius Bridis, uh fighting in Lativa on January 27th. Uh, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough how much I love the fact that these guys, and I also love the fact that they're not American fighters. It just goes to show, uh, goes to show you about the American fighters and where their mindset is uh, and where their value is. These other uh, for, foreign to us here in the United States uh, fighters are willing to risk it all. Every one of these names that are in the semifinals are all world champions. They're all holding one of the four major belts, and they're all putting them on the line to see who's the best in the division. It doesn't get any better than this. Usyk said, I don't care where I fight uh, in Riga. There'll be 10,000 fans, and that's great. Uh, The fans should expect a beautiful and interesting battle between two world champions. Uh, Marius Breda says, I had a gut feeling that the World Boxing Super Series might return to Riga uh, because of the incredible uh, crowd at the arena uh, in the quarterfinal bout against Mike Perez. Now it's all about preparing for Usyk and put up a great show in Jan- when January comes. You know, they also share the same kind of tone, Sal, that, you know, they're enjoying the competition factor. They're enjoying, uh, you know, challenging themselves and proving that they're the best, something we don't see with a lot of American fighters. What do you think? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the passion. That's That's the whole thing. I mean... When we fought in the 80s, I mean, it was just that same thing. I mean, you know, coming up in the training camps with Duran and, and, and I mean, when, when he was using us as sparring partners and Vinny Pazienza, uh, Bobby Chez and all that when we were in camp and, and, and sparring and training. I mean, that's that's what we saw. And that's what these guys saw. They saw themselves not just not just wanting to fight the very best, but but, you know, believing that they were the very best. And to prove it, we had to get in a ring. We had to fight the very best. And that's that's. That's what is lost in the translation of today's uh, manipulation or or actually positioning of fighters that haven't earned their spot or have not taken on the challenge of challenging themselves by fighting better and better opponents. And I think that you know when you look back at, at the fighters that do 
accept that responsibility and that challenge and say, hey, I'm the best. I want to prove I'm the best, so I've got to fight the best. I mean, that says it all. That's what fighting is all about, challenging yourself, going out there, and taking on anybody and everybody at any given time. And that, that is a lost um, like desire, lost passion, lost advertised uh, facet of what a fighter is all about. It's not, hey, I know I could beat this guy. Let me sidestep a little bit. Let me wait here. Let's let it stack in my favor so I look good against him. No, it is putting two combatants in the ring, in the squared circle, if you will, challenging themselves and seeing who is the better man that evening, knowing that any given night anything could happen. So, bingo. Oh, there's that word again. <laughs> That's your new nickname. We're going to take a short <laughs> you know, break. I used that when, yesterday in my shop, too. When we come I don't back, know where it's coming from, Billy. All of a sudden, I feel like playing bingo. <laughs> when we come back, uh, wasn't there a dog named Bingo? I, I don't know. But uh, I, anyway, uh, uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got an update on Thursday Night Football. I got some uh, uh, sports scores. We got some emails to read. Then we're going to break down all the big fights coming your way tonight and tomorrow. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And um, I got some emails to read. So uh, I'm going to get on to that right now. Oh, wait. Let me give you the sports scores. In Thursday night football in the NFL, the Falcons beat the Saints 20-17. to um, I was anticipating a high-scoring game, but it was a pretty competitive game. I, it was enjoyable for as long as I could keep my eyelids open. Uh, the Falcons just made it uh, interesting in that, in that, count, in that division. Uh, they're uh, right on the heels of the Saints right now. So uh, tough, uh, tough division uh, as we uh, wind down for the last quarter of the regular season. And speaking of the NFL, so it was announced that um, Goodell, Roger Goodell, uh, signed his deal. And I, I don't know, man. I, I guess he settled for, for, you know, practically minimum wages because uh, he, he signed a five-year deal for the NFL by, from all the owners, a guaranteed salary of $4 million a year, plus all this incentive-laden deal, which could make him over $40 million a year, and over five years, Roger Goodell is in a position to make $200 million. I can't believe it. I, I just, I, I'm appalled that uh, the NFL would give that man or anybody wow. in that position. I'm not just, uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of uh, uh, discussion against him specifically, but anybody in that position, that kind of money. Uh, what if one of your cooks demanded that kind of money, Sal? Bingo. <laughs> bingo. 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 Uh, what if Bingo demanded that money? Would you give it to him? 
they're gonna they're gonna be they're looking for they're gonna be looking for B three out the door. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Two hundred million possible over five years. Jeez, that's after unbelievable. Taxes. That is a heck of a contract. I'll hey, tell you, I'd sign, seal, deliver that, and notarize it right away. But then again, after taxes uh, and some, you know, miscellaneous expenses, he probably will only pocket a hundred million. I don't know how he can live on that. But uh, anyway, uh, over in the NBA, the Lakers topped the seventy sixes, one hundred seven, one hundred four. The Wizards uh, beat the Suns by ten, one hundred nine, ninety nine. The Nets beat the Thunder by five, one hundred to ninety five. Great game by the Nets. Right. They're uh, slowly. Uh, Maybe riding the ship a couple of games away from 500. The Rockets over the Jazz, 112-101. In the NHL, get ready for this, Sal. The Bruins over the Coyotes, 6-1. The uh, Penguins beat my Islanders, 4-3 in overtime. The Lightning over the Avalanche, 5-2. The Panthers beat the Jets, 6-4. The Blues over the Stars, 3-zip. The Flyers over the Canucks, 4-1. The Kings beat the Senators in overtime, 4-3. The Sharks beat the Hurricanes 5-4 to four in overtime. And also in overtime, the Flames. Oh, those Flames, Sal. Those Flames beat up on those Canadians 3-2 to two in overtime. Congratulations to the Flames. But uh, anyway, that's what uh, took place in some other uh, sports. We got some emails to read, so let's kick it off right now. Oh, this boy. first okay. one is from uh, <laughs> Willie, and he says, Hey, Billy C., I thought you'd like this link. Uh, he sent a, uh, uh, a link that was to a, uh, a podcast by uh, uh, a couple of guys over in England. I'm not going to promote it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm silly like that. But uh, he <laughs> says, uh, I haven't listened to it, but uh, I have a feeling being in the U.S., you might not want to uh, be able to sign uh, in uh, to follow uh, the BBC's uh, podcast, uh, this is the one he's talking about, uh, which uh, basically uh, says that, uh, was asking the question, is Vasily Lomachenko the greatest uh, fighter since Muhammad Ali? Um, you know, I, I think that's a little premature. Uh, yes. He also says, I uh, uh, slightly insulted you twice in the chat room and you didn't bite. I thought to myself, Billy's not in the mood today. Uh, <laughs> uh, I sometimes I notice, sometimes I don't really. Uh, but lately, I haven't been in the mood for much lately. But uh, that's besides the point. Uh, I'm getting better lately at talking about boxing in the chat room because I'm learning a bit slowly a lot about boxing by listening to what you guys say. I say slowly because there's so much to learn. The more I listen to you guys, the more I learn. That's why I always rerun the show and listen to it over again later. Sometimes even twice. That's cool, man. I appreciate that, Willie, big time. Trust me, I, I really do. Yes, I do too, Willie. And he says, I had no idea how fun boxing was from the business side. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no idea how boxing was run from the business side. Uh, he says, how promoters work, uh, uh, et cetera, all the underhandedness, the ruthlessness, et cetera. Uh, I didn't know nothing. Uh, so listening to your show is an educating experience, so I'm glad that I stumbled upon it a, a, a few years ago. The show's looking and sounding fantastic. Uh, it has a professional look and feel to it. It's what I, we. It is a professional show. We're no, on TV I, I, and radio. You know what I can't stand, and this has nothing to do with Willie, but I can't stand when people refer to this show as a a YouTube uh, show or b a podcast. 
we do have this show in a version of a podcast, and we do upload the television version uh, up on YouTube. Now, the version that people are watching on Facebook is a cheesy, crappy version that I would never send to a television network, but since Facebook only allows that kind of setup uh, as of now, um, I'm, I'm forced. So, uh, yeah, we've been doing this uh, for 14 years. We're going to be entering our 15th year uh, daily two-hour-plus boxing show uh, come on, man. Nobody else has done that. You don't uh, anyway. day over 55 and a half. I know. Uh, he says, uh, uh, your re- recent investments in technology, uh, hardware, software, et cetera, are paying off. I hope you saw uh, the joke I saw in the chat room about the guy who was doing shagging dogs, coaching FA, loved it. No, I didn't. Email it to me with the correct email. I just texted or I just uh, made a mention in the chat room to Willie. Uh, you know, he sent a virus my way uh, the other day uh, when he sent this, when he sent this uh, email, actually. Uh, thank God I'm an IT guy and I was able to catch it, but uh, appreciate that, Bill. Uh, but uh, anyway, he says, uh, um, uh, talking about Coach, what a great guy. He comes from across the chat room. Uh, mind of inside information. Is there anything he doesn't know? I'm sure there's some things that Coach doesn't know, contrary to what you might think. Um, I, 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 I won't say. I won't say because I don't want to get his wife to kick his ass because his wife will beat the hell out of him. I know. I've met her. Uh, and he, <laughs> she, he, she does not get the better end. I mean, he does not get the better end of his wife. Trust me. His wife drives that ship. I know. I'm only kidding. But anyway, uh, he says, uh, uh, I'll finish here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thanks for reading. Uh, I hope the podcast was good. Signed, Willie the Idiot. You're not an idiot, Willie. Willie, you're, you're a good idiot. man, Willie. We like you. We we, we we love you having on board here, being here, and, and being in the chat room. You remember, being... Chili, remember Chili Willie? You want Chili more, Willie. More, I, more, you know more... what I remember when you're reading a song? Remember that song? Go, Willie, 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 Willie won't go home. Go home right, but yeah, but no. Chili Willie. Willie Chili, Willie, Chili Willie. Willie. Uh, okay, Do I have, don't make me hit the mute button. What right. I was going to say yeah. is Chili Willie, the cartoon, he was a little mini penguin. Right, and he, and he was always like saying, uh, uh, "You want more butter? Yeah, more butter. You know, plant, put more pancakes, more pancakes. You know, it's, I don't remember that. You know, you, you know whatever. Hey, you, I don't remember you know, that. You've been living under a rock before my time. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. They didn't even have they didn't even have cartoons when you were uh, uh, a kid. They but, started. Uh, what do you think the Flintstones came out with? I, that was Flintstones were years no, later. Hanna Barbera. I love I love the Flintstones. Come on, Dino. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Joel has an email that says, I was curious if I can get the official Billy C. and Sal predictions for Jean Pascal and Med Ibili. Uh Yes, you will. Uh, I'm going to be doing those right after this break, right, right after we finish the emails. He says, uh, What would you and what would you like to see the winner of Saturday's Rigandau Lomachenko fight do next? It could be either moving up a division or maybe some of you guys uh, would like to see the winner or, or maybe some uh, of you guys, uh, some, some guys that we would like to see face the winner, I think is what he meant. Um, you know, first and foremost, Rigandau's moving up two weight classes, so I wouldn't want a, him to move up. Um, you know, a Lomachenko. I don't know. I don't know. I think that this fight is, uh, I think we really got to watch this fight, Sal, and and, um, and see the performance uh, from both of these guys. You know, this is one of these fights that it's a win-win. Uh, whether they lose, yes. it's a win-win, as long as they both perform well. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. And, you know, and here we go again. Everybody wants a test to make every fighter into a heavyweight. And, you know, there's limits. You know, it's like Clint Eastwood used to say, a man's got to know his limitations. 
And and you know the guy's great at any weight class, but I mean let's keep him where he feels comfortable, where he's fighting, and where he's a champion right now. Unless he tells us otherwise, he's great at the weight class he's fighting in, and he is. It, it's great. These guys are these both these combatants are special fighters, and uh, I know that uh, Vasily uh, Lomachenko wants to be something very very special to the game of boxing. He's not just looking at this fight. This guy wants to be on the map as being somebody really special, contributing to the sport of boxing. That's what he wants to look at. He I read he wants to be the face of boxing. I hope I hope he succeeds. I got another email. Then we're going to take a break, and then I got one more, and we'll start breaking down all the big fights. Uh, this is from uh, Rick. Uh, Rick, Rick. Uh, Rick says, hey, Billy C., I've been listening to you daily for the past several months, and I'm stoked to hear you may be doing your next event in upstate New York. As much as I'm now dying to try a slice of Sal's pizza, <laughs> I'm a Saratoga. Oh, a Saratoga, Saratoga native and traveling would be much easier. Uh, if you do happen to have your event up in upstate New York, you can certainly count on two here showing up and maybe Sal can even bring some pizza with him. Um, man, I'm glad to hear we got uh, somebody from Saratoga. Saratoga is not too far from uh, our studio right here uh, in Lake George. Uh, as far as our, our event, uh, right now, it's uh, um, I, it's looking more like it's going to be uh, uh, some other place. So, so we will uh, we will keep you posted on that when and if we even have it, uh, which we thought we were originally going to have it uh, in the uh, middle of January. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, we may uh, be shifting gears and uh, uh, locating it uh, somewhere else. So keep your eyes peeled and ears open for that. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I got one more email to read, Sal, and then uh, we'll start breaking down the big fights. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. I didn't even hit that right button. I said, I don't know what's going on. I'm hitting all the wrong buttons today, and I'm talking, and all of a sudden I realized that no meters are moving because I don't have the buttons pressed. But, uh, and we're back. And I'm about to read uh, the last email that we have today. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just one of those days. Uh, this one's from my man, Matt. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., thank you for reading my top five on Wednesday. I'm glad you and Sal appreciated the bouts I chose. I would love to meet you guys and catch a fight. Let me know the details to the January event. Man, we got a lot of interest in the January event already. Uh, and I will see what I can do. Um, we wanted to do this event down south because it makes most, most, uh, the most sense to, uh, uh, you know, have it in a warmer place, especially in January. Uh, uh, upstate New York is, is great if you, if you like to ski and, and stuff like that. Um, but um, we'll keep everybody posted. Don't worry. Uh, and I appreciate uh, uh, you guys and the last emailer uh, reaching out. He says, uh, anyway, as I stated I'll be in attendance for the Lomachenko-Rigandau fight, and it's bigger than the Super Bowl for me. I'm predicting a Lomachenko stoppage in eight to ten rounds. Lomachenko has advantages in both size and age. In addition to being a world-class talent, uh, Rigandau could possibly overcome one of those factors, but I don't think all three. After some, initial even, after some even initial rounds, Lomachenko will begin to crack the Rigandau puzzle, but not before some uh, pestering counters by the Jackal. Jackal will finally have an opponent which will force the talented uh, to emerge 
and engage al- um, action. In the end, Lomachenko's advantages will wear down Rigondeaux for the victory in an entertaining bout. Uh, finally, I predict this fight will do over 3 million views on each ESPN and uh, will turn Lomachenko into a bona fide star. Despite the general public not being able to dis- uh, dissect all of the boxing strategy and action like, like ourselves, people understand and cherish greatness. With this win, Lomachenko will emerge as the pound-for-pound number one uh, and become boxing's new superstar. While our focus to the big fight will be on the three hot fights this weekend, Daniel Dubow, uh, Michael Connor, and Shakur Stevenson um, uh, are hot prospects this fighting this weekend. He says, from my perspective, all three are exciting to watch and develop. Of the three, which, pros- which prospect do you and Sal have your eye on the most? Um, to be honest with you, right now, Daniel Dubois uh, is mine. What about you, Sal? I mean, I'm going to be breaking that fight down, but of those three, Shakur Stevenson, he's the guy that uh, Larry uh, told us about um, before he even uh, made a splash in the uh, Olympics. And Michael Conlon is, is you know, uh, an up-and-coming um, uh, fighter as well. Uh, of those three, wh- who are you looking most to forward to seeing? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Dubois, but I want to keep my eye on, like Larry suggests, on Stevenson. I think he he's going to be something special. And I think he's going to be honing in and, and learning and developing. And uh, they they all three are great prospects, great prospects. But you know how hard it is to get through the maze and rise to the top. So uh, we'll see who has the, the legs to stand and uh, the uh, longevity to to go through the maze. That's about it. Um, he says. Uh, also note. Uh, to your listeners, Michael Conlon will be having an after-fight party at Jack Dempsey's in New York City. Wow. I know I'll be there with a beer after the fight. He says, by the way, Sal, Lenovo wings are some of the absolute best. Here in Buffalo, I prefer my wings char-grilled. Yes, yes, even for hot wings. He says, it's something that I've uh, only found in Buffalo. You make the wings like normal, and then after saucing them, throw them on the pit. The wings end up crispy with the hot sauce vaporized where you can still taste it. Less messy, too. There's a little little, little tip from Buffalo. A little for you, tip, Sal. yeah. I like those Buffalo wings. Just plain, like you just said, crispy and plain. That's how I could eat them. And you are 100% correct mundo. Who used to say that? Forget about it. He, that was says, he says, enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. And here's to swimming with bow-legged women. <laughs> <laughs> I want to swim Robert with Robert Shaw. Yeah, I want, I want that. But uh, anyway, great. thanks Remember for the email. Robert Shaw with Jaws. Th- thank, <laughs> That's great. Great thanks, call. Thanks for the email, Matt. Uh, we appreciate uh, uh, interacting with you, and we hope that you enjoy your time uh, at the fights this weekend. And uh, let us know uh, what you experienced. Uh, drop me an email, and I'll be glad to read it on Monday. All right, the fights for this weekend. Let's break them down and give you our predictions. Uh, first and foremost, a fight tonight I want to talk about. No, it's not Luis Ortiz against Daniel Martz. That's not going to be a fight. Luis Ortiz is going to knock out Daniel Martz. There's no question about that in my mind. Uh, I've I've had uh, Martz on a couple of my events in Florida. And, uh, you know, um, uh, let's just say he, he tries hard. He's a young kid. Uh, no formal training. And it certainly shows you'll see it if you get, a, if you get to watch that uh, tonight. But the main event, Ahmed Ibiliai against Jean Pascal. Um, it's an interesting fight. Jean Pascal is a former world light heavyweight champion, and he's a super middleweight title challenger. And with that said, 
That's what I thought put him on the map. The fight that he had way back in 2008 against Carl Frotch was one of the most exciting fights and entertaining fights I've seen in quite some time, uh, considering... Uh, uh, it's almost been 10 years ago. Uh, it happened in December of 2008. What an exciting fight that was. Back and forth. Uh, how uh, the fight even went to the scorecards is beyond me. And uh, I thought that Jean Pascal arrived on the scene that night uh, when he uh, uh, fought uh, uh, for a shot at the uh, uh, WBC World Super Middleweight title. And by the way, that's when Carl Frotch won it. It was vacant. And uh, he won a unanimous 12-round decision over uh, Jean Pascal. But after that fight, Jean Pascal kicked it up a notch because not only did he kick it up uh, a notch in, in getting a win in his very next fight against Pablo Daniel Zamora Nieves. There's a lot of names in that guy's name. Um, but uh, he moved up in weight for his next fight against Adrian Dakinu. And Dakinu was undefeated at the time, 26-0. He fought in uh, Canada. Uh, and beat him in a 12-round decision. Some people didn't like the decision, but it didn't matter because Jean Pascal moved up to Silvio Branco, stopped him, had a rematch with Dakinu, won that one, fought and beat Chad Dawson, won the world title. Uh, well, he won the uh, WBC light heavyweight title against Dakinu, who had it. Uh, then had two fights back-to-back, -back, a draw, and then a unanimous decision lost to B-Hop. Uh, and he started to... Uh, uh, slide a little bit uh, in terms of his uh, uh, boxing ability. I think it was a combination of aging and lack of interest. He started losing interest. He did get a win against Georgie Blades and then uh, a big win against Lucien Butte. Uh, but then uh, his career uh, after Robert Belanti, um, he had a no contest after two rounds there. He fought Sergey Kovalev a couple of times. Basically, his last six fights, two wins, one by knockout, three losses, two of those three losses by stoppage. He got stopped by Kovalev uh, both times. He couldn't continue after the seventh round in the second fight and was uh, waved off uh, via a TKO in the eighth round of the first fight. But he did pick up a win against undefeated Unieski Gonzalez uh, between those two fights. His last fight, Eldier Alvarez, June of this year, lost a majority decision. He's coming back. He's fighting a Billy Eye tonight. Uh, a Billy Eye. Who the hell is a Billy Eye? That's what I want to know. Uh, Jean Pascal is ranked number eight in the world by the computer. I want to know who the hell is a Billy Eye. A Billy Eye is an undefeated fighter, 16 and 0 with 13 knockouts. He's ranked number 40 by the computer. He's the A side of this fight, actually. He's 27 years old. He's got a uh, uh, you know substantial age uh, uh, advantage over Jean Pascal, who's 35. Uh, he also has a, a couple of inch height uh, advantage and one inch reach advantage. But this guy has never fought anybody of the caliber of Jean Pascal. As a matter of fact, the two fights that didn't go, uh, you know, that he didn't win by knockout was against Andrew Hernandez and Mauricio Hilario, both decent fighters, but nothing to write home about. Listen, this is going to be a classic youth versus age and they're trying to use Jean Pascal to put a name on a Billy Eye's record, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Jean Pascal is going to find uh, the powers within and beat this kid. Although this kid can box, and if he fights smart, I think Jean Pascal, would, the advantage that he has over him, he has a tendency to get people to fight his style fight. I just don't think a Billy Eye has fought uh, the uh, uh, level of opposition and gained the experience 
in his 16 professional fights and his 44 rounds as a pro with the level of opposition that he's fought, he's taken a huge step up. Unless Jean Pascal has aged so drastically, I'm picking the underdog in this fight, Jean Pascal. What do you think? Well, there you go. Uh, tell you what. We know what Obelii is trying to do with uh, his career now. As you said, he's been one of those fighters that has been positioned and managed to uh, build a resume of, of uh, maybe nondescript fighters, however, getting that O behind his record. And that's what they've done with uh, 16 wins, uh, not a world of experience. I didn't hear or know much about his amateur background, but I'm hoping he had a, an extensive one. Uh, Jean Pasquel, we've seen him. He's a warrior. He's a tough guy. And maybe his best days might be behind him. And that's what they're counting on. Because as you suggested, Billy Eye is, is the A-side. And they're wanting him to build a, a, onto his resume with a name fighter like Jean Pasquel. Pasquel is going to have some answers for that. And uh, it should be a good fight. I don't know too much about this of Billy Eye. But taking what it is and to make it interesting... I'm going to look at him today and uh, see. So I want to see what he really can possess and what he can do against John Pasquale. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot in the dark and just say I'm going to, I think Obilia is going to be one of those fighters that they're investing in that they know can rise to the occasion. And that is not just an undefeated record. And that is going to pull out the best that he's been waiting to do and against a name opponent. And we'll see what this package, once it's unwrapped, on the fight, we'll see what he could deliver. So I'm going to see what Obilii could do. I'm going to go with Obilii. Next fight I'm going to talk about is James DeGalle, uh going up, uh, or DeGal, however you say it, uh, going up against Khalib Truax. DeGal is a real deal. He's the IBF World Super Middleweight Champion. He's ranked number five in the world uh, by the computer. He's uh, uh, a southpaw, six foot tall. Um, he's only got the, the one loss, uh, and uh, that fight, um, was uh, a a pretty decent fight against George Groves. He lost the majority of decisions. Many people think that he won, but that was also uh, six years ago. He fought George Groves uh, uh, in 2011. In his last fight, what a great fight. I mean, could that be one of our fights of the year uh, when he fought Bado Jack in January? See, this is what I'm saying. This has been such a good year for boxing. A great we year. have a tendency to forget this fight took place January 14th of this year. But though Jack, I mean, if you recall, but though Jack was down in round one, DeGal was down in round 12. It was back and forth for 12 rounds, ended up being a draw, a majority decision draw, which I felt at the time and still do was the right decision. Nonetheless, DeGal held on to his title, hasn't fought since. Um, he's got uh, some uh, very impressive wins. Lucien Butte, uh, one of the uh, Andre Durrell. Brandon Gonzalez was an up-and-coming big guy that everybody was highly touting. Uh, Marco Antonio Parabon, uh, you know, everybody that's put in front of him, uh, he's won. He's 31 years old, 6 foot tall, 74-inch reach. He steps in the ring with Khalib Truax, who's very similar in height. Uh, DeGal's ranked number 5 by the computer. Khalib Truax, number 57. Why is this guy getting a shot at James DeGal? I can't believe it. It's a joke. Former world middleweight title challenger when he fought Danny Jacobs back in 2015. He did have an impressive win against Keandre Leatherwood. He was stopped by Anthony Durrell. He was stopped by uh, Daniel Jacobs. Uh, listen, Khalib Truax out of Minnesota, no disrespect. He's ranked number 57 in the super middleweight division. Doesn't stand a chance. This guy's going to be going to sleep. 
uh, or at the very least getting beat up uh, for 12 rounds. What's your thoughts on this fight? His last name's Truax. This is true. It's Truax. Well, that's what his name is. He's going to get truly axed. I think that uh, James DeGaulle is going to have too much experience, too much firepower, and it's going to be a rough fight, rough night for Truax, I think, in my humble opinion. And uh, I think what we're going to see here is, is a couple good rounds, and he'll he'll have a moment or two. But uh, DeGaulle is experienced. He, he knows what he's getting into, and uh, he's going to take advantage of everything he can. And he's going to be the veteran out there, and I think DeGaulle is going to win big in in the middle of the fight by the middle of the fight uh the next fight i'm going to look at is uh one that's going to be on hbo and you know i i love the fight and i'm not saying it's not hbo caliber as a matter of fact i'd rather see these kinds of fights because it's going to be a war but i'm just so surprised that uh hbo didn't want this to be a title fight for 12 rounds and they forced it to be a 10 round fight when both fighters and both promoters and both management teams wanted it to be a a, a 12 round fight it was going to be a, an elimination uh fight but uh the powers that be uh you know the tv execs that don't know a left hook from a fish hook um said no uh miguel roman former world title challenger for both featherweight and lightweight divisions. Been around a long time. The computer sees him at super feather at number 11 in the world. He's only 32 years old considering he's fought 426 rounds, 69 total fights with a record Jeez. of 57 wins, 44 by knockout, and 12 losses. Who hasn't he fought? You know, I mean, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, wow. he's fought everybody uh, that has been put in front of him. Uh, he's been in tough uh, one of his biggest wins was uh, uh, a, uh, a vicious victory over Daniel Ponce de Leon back in 2014. Uh, Antonio DeMarco, when he got his world title shot, was stopped in five, but he's fought and beat some uh, really good uh, opposition. Uh, Dante Jardin, I mentioned uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, uh, and recently uh, he lost to uh, Takashari Miura, but he came back with Nuri Sagayulian, uh, in June of this year when he stopped him in the final round. Uh, he's had a long uh, career challenge for the featherweight title against Jonathan Barrios back in 2011, uh, fighting uh, Antonio Escalante, losing to him, close decisions to Miguel Beltran. I mean, he's been around forever. He's a warrior. Uh, of his 12 losses, only stopped twice. And who's he step in the ring with? Another warrior in Orlando Salido, former world featherweight and super featherweight. Uh, well, he was a former world featherweight champion, and he was a former world super featherweight interim champion. Does that count? I don't know. He's ranked number six in that in division at number uh, at the super featherweight division. Uh, he's coming off of uh, in his last four fights, one win uh, in his last fight against uh, Artises Perez, but then back to back draws against Francisco Vargas and uh, Roman Martinez uh, when he challenged uh, Romy Rocky Martinez for his super featherweight title. Uh, he got a draw. He had gotten an unfavorable decision in the previous fight, uh, but he did beat uh, Vasily Lomachenko after uh, Vasily Lomachenko had his first win. It was for a vacant title. He won a split decision over him. He's got wins over Orlando Cruz. Uh, he uh, got wins over uh, Juan Manuel Lopez, not one but two. Uh, Gamboa he lost to. Uh, he lost to uh, Mikey Garcia. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Cristobal Cruz, he won the title too uh, from uh, back in uh, 2010. Cristobal Cruz was a tough guy. Um, you know, what I like about this guy is that he's a warrior. He's fighting another warrior. This is a, almost a guaranteed action-packed fight. 
yeah. I'm leaning with Orlando Salido, even though sometimes he's. You know what makes this fight so intriguing is that both of them. Uh, sometimes they fight like they're Hall of Famers, and other times they fight like they're opponents. I just don't know who's gonna who who's who gonna show up uh, on Saturday night. I'm picking Salido in this one. Who do you like? I'm gonna pick Salido too. I got Salido. I think uh, he's gonna you know you know that uh, his days that uh, is the time he's got to shine. He's gonna prevail and he's gonna come through. I think uh, Roman has like you said he's a warrior. He's been tested. He's been out there. He's given it his all. He's gotten. So many he he has he has a, a a resume of fights that are endless and uh, I think Salido is going to rise the occasion and he'll be uh, he'll be the winner this coming this weekend. Uh, the next fight I wanted to talk about is actually on the undercard of the Degal fight and uh, it's really a fight I'm I'm looking forward to big time. Daniel Dubois Triple D if you will uh, Daniel Dubois Dynamite Daniel Dubois he's a heavyweight. Uh, that we've been uh, talking about. Uh, he's ranked at number 138 in the world. He's undefeated uh, at 5-0. Uh, and oh, All of his wins coming by knockouts. He's only gone seven rounds of his five fights. Young kid, 20 years old, 6'5", out of England. Uh, he's fought uh, the five fights. Combined record of his opponents so far, 40 wins, 10 losses, no draws. Uh, 50 wow. fights, 10 uh, of his uh, five fights, uh, he's only gone uh, um, uh, seven rounds uh, total. Uh, the 50 fights are 10 times uh, his total. So, in other words, um, he's got five fights. His opponents have fought 50. So, the opponents have fought 10 times the amount of his total fights, and he's only had to go seven rounds. This guy's the real deal. He steps yeah, he in uh, with uh, a, a guy. This is how good he is. Let me just, just give you an example. Uh, Triple D, Daniel Dubois, is 5-0, seven rounds, five knockouts. The computer ranks him already at 138. Doesn't sound wow. great, right? But he steps in with Dorian Darch, who's got a record of 12 wins, five losses, one draw, 18 total fights, 73 total rounds. What does the computer see him at? 232. Uh, he's fought and lost to some good guys, and he's beaten some decent guys. As a matter of fact, uh, a similar opponent uh, that he fought last year was David Howe. He won a four-round decision, and uh, Daniel Dubois knocked out Howe. How's this fight? How's this fight going to go? <laughs> it's going to go in Dubois' way. Look for Dubois to continue his knockout ways. I'm picking DDD, Triple D, uh, with a knockout win. Your thoughts, Sal? Well, you just said it right there. This guy's definitely the A side. This guy's the future of where where he uh, is going. Things shine and hit people behind him. And this is going to be uh, another little test, but another little notch in his gun. So uh, yeah, Dubois is gonna. This guy's not gonna see the end of the round. Uh, end of the la end of the last round. Yeah. No. When I say Dubois, right? No, nah, Dubois is gonna win. Right. Well, by by knockout. By knockout, yes, of course, yeah, he's gonna win by knockout. It maybe go five rounds. Oh, it's never gonna go. I don't think. I don't think it's gonna go uh, five rounds at all. I, I really don't. But uh, anyway, and now the main fight uh, of the weekend: Vasily Lomachenko going up against Guillermo Rigondeaux. Uh, this is a f uh, a fight fans' dream uh, matchup. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko, he's the WBO World Junior Lightweight Champion. He's ranked number one in the world. 
at that uh, weight class, uh, junior lightweight, super featherweight, however you want to look at it. Five foot six, he's a South Boy. He's 29 years old, had a gazillion uh, fights uh, as an amateur. How many, you say? Well, how about this fight against Rigandow and Vasily Lomachenko combined? Uh, they had 904 fights. <laughs> And four gold medals between the two of these guys in the amateurs. Unbelievable. Uh, that's an understatement, you know. So uh, yeah. he is uh, under. Well, he's got the one loss against Orlando Salido. Nine wins, seven by knockout, one loss uh, when he fought uh, for a world title in his very first fight. Did not get it, but got it in his second uh, attempt in his third pro fight. Uh, he's got. Uh, he, he he kicked off his pro debut against Jose Ramirez, who was twenty-five and three. And knocked him out in four. Did lose to Salido uh, in 2014. But then followed that up with impressive wins over Gary Russell, Sierra Takahum. Um, he also beat Roman uh, uh, Rocky Martinez um, in uh, uh, 2016. Um, he beat Nicholas Walters, which we all thought was going to be a competitive fight. He fought Jason Socha. And he, in his last fight, fought Miguel Mariaga. This is an exciting guy. Uh, what I love about Vasily Lomachenko is that uh, he is what I call the sweet science. He is not afraid to engage. You could stand right in front of him and throw punches and not be able to hit him all the while while he's hitting you. Now, he steps in with a guy that does the same thing, Guillermo Rigondeau. The problem with Rigondeau is he's been labeled a boring fighter because he's so hard to hit, and he's uh, primarily a counterpuncher, although... Um, he has shown that he can uh, put his uh, foot on the gas pedal uh, in 2014. Uh, Yotan, he knocked him out in one round, one punch. It was a vicious knockout uh, in two rounds. James Dickens uh, uh, last year, uh, that guy couldn't continue after that. And also uh, Amagasa in 2014 uh, knocked him out in 11. So he can uh, knock fighters out. There's no question about it. He's much older at 37. 17 wins, no losses. Uh, 11 of his wins coming by knockout. Um, you know, the thing about him is he's the WBA and IBO uh, super bantamweight champion. He's moving up not one but two weight classes. Uh, there is a rehydration clause in this. Um, he is uh, uh, a smaller fighter at super bantamweight, ranked number two uh, in the world. He's two inches shorter, but he has a three-inch uh, reach advantage. Um, you know, I appreciate him moving up. Uh, nobody wants to fight this guy, risk versus reward. No. Uh, he fought and beat guys like Willie, Big Bang, Casey, Rico Ramos, uh, Roberto Maraquin, who's a tough guy, Nonito Donaire, uh, King Kong, Egbeko, um, and the fights that I told you uh, uh, earlier, James Dickens and uh, Yotan. And then he also beat uh, Duran uh, Francisco. And Duran uh, Francisco was uh, 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 another uh, tough opponent. So uh, what we're going to see here is two uh, very uh, technically uh, savvy fighters. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see who is going to be able to put their foot on the gas pedal and drive this bus. Because I think what's going to happen in this fight is we're going to have kind of a, uh, a slow start. I think both fighters are going to try to feel themselves out. Two southpaws, by the way, which I think uh, uh, brings a little interest uh, to this fight because most of the time you'll see a southpaw fight and a, a, an orthodox fighter 
And then you're saying, oh, how does the orthodox fighter handle himself against a southpaw? And generally, a southpaw has got plenty of experience fighting orthodox fighters because that's mostly who they spar, etc., etc. But when a southpaw fights a southpaw, that's usually an interesting fight. I'm wondering if uh, they'll be switching sides. I know Lomachenko likes to do that sometimes. Uh, and uh, we'll see if Rigondeau uh, joins that party. Who's going to win? Well... This is a tough one to pick. You could flip a coin. You know, will the pro experience of Rigondeau uh, help him? Uh, will the age advantage help uh, Vasily Lomachenko? At the end of the day, we got two very special fighters fighting each other. And uh, I think it's going to boil down to age. I really do. I think that uh, it's going to, I'm going to go back to my favorite short story written by Jack London called A Piece of Steak. And the reason I'm going to go back to that is the reason why I'm picking Vasily Lomachenko. I think their talent is very similar. I think Lomachenko is on the rise. He's a little more exciting. He's got more of a, uh, a personality that will thrive in the sport of boxing. It's his time, and he's got a great dance partner to, to shine on, uh, on Saturday night. I, I think this is going to be a chess match fight, uh, but at the end, I'm picking Vasily Lomachenko. And I'm picking him to win in an exciting fashion. His uh, official arrival as a superstar, just like the uh, email we got from Matthew Quinn earlier, uh, will take place on Saturday night. I'm picking Vasily Lomachenko uh, in an exciting second-half fight, and uh, he, will, uh, he will win this fight, I believe, by stoppage. What do you think, Sal? Bill, I'll tell you, I'm going to concur with you. I see everything you just mentioned about both these fighters to be true and right on. I mean, you've got a very exciting fight potentially uh, happening Saturday night, and I don't think they're going to disappoint us. It's going to be tactical. It's going to be a chess game. You're going to see, I, I think, Lomachenko wanting to, to challenge and, and, and fight from both sides. Uh, but I think ultimately his ability to punch and, and, and not be there, uh, just like Rigondeau being a counterpuncher, I think uh, Vasily Lomachenko, like I said, he, this guy wants to be not just a champion. This guy wants to be special. He wants to be a mark. He wants to be a legacy in the sport of boxing. So those are big aspirations, and he's challenging himself. And I think uh, ultimately he's going to put on a big display Saturday night. I think he's going to do a great job. I think Rigondeau, not cutting him short, but he's going to do a fabulous job. But ultimately I think that you're going to see Lomachenko win by a knockout in a big fashion later in the fight. Two fights I didn't mention, um, actually three fights, Lee Selby and uh, Ramirez uh, and uh, Tevin Farmer and uh, Agoawa and Denis Shakirov against uh, Rene Alvarado. I, I think the Farmer-Agawa uh, fight and the uh, Shakirov-Rene uh, Alvarado fight are both going to be pretty close fights. I didn't break them down because I just didn't have the time, but, uh, but I like them. You can watch the uh, Shakirov-Alvarado uh, on HBO Latino delayed. Uh, broadcast and the uh, Tevin Farmer uh, Ogawa fight will be the undercard uh, on their uh, uh, Salido Roman broadcast. So we got a lot of fights we'll be talking about uh, on Monday. But listen, we're going to take a short break when we come uh, right now. And when we come back, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us, and we'll get his thoughts uh, on the uh, on the big fight schedule for this weekend. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. 
to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we got a lot of good fights scheduled for this weekend. And uh, joining us right now to uh, give us his thoughts, uh, especially on the big one, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today? I'm doing uh, fantabulous. How you doing fantabulous, today? Fantabulous, you say? How, well, I'm, I'm doing well. I don't know about fantabulous, but I'm doing well. Well, that's good. That's good. We're, we're <laughs> glad to hear that. We're glad to hear that. A couple of All big right. fights this weekend, Dax. You know, before I ask you about the big one, I want to ask you about the fight tonight because I guess uh, I guess I, I'm in the minority here, but I think Jean Pascal is going to be too much for Billy. I, I, you know, unless unless this is a clear case of uh, you know Jean Pascal just being done uh, as a fighter, and they finally need to put a name on uh, Ahmed's uh, uh, resume, I just don't see. You know, his performances against the mediocre, at best, opposition he's faced going to be any type of preparation for Jean Pascal. Can you uh, give us your thoughts on this fight? Well, you know, logic would say the same thing, but we also thought that in the Unisek Gonzalez fight, um, where Jean Pascal got the nod, but more or less Unisek Gonzalez was robbed. Jean Pascal, uh, he really doesn't have that desire anymore, in regards to the fact uh, what you mentioned, how he is an awkward fighter. Um, he has a way of making guys fight his style, and that has always worked out to the benefit of him, but, you know, he doesn't have that desire anymore, in my opinion. So that's what's going to work against him, and I do agree. I think that John Pascal now is being used more or less as a name on a resume to help build up other fighters. Why he's complacent doing that, I don't know, but that's exactly how I see it. And if Jean Pascal should come out ahead tonight, I don't see it as a, a surprise or an upset. But again, on the opposite side, I really don't think he's going to, and it's not a surprise if he loses. You know, I, I think what you just said, um, I agree with 100% in terms of, you know, he he clearly has seemed to have lost the desire. I mean, at one point he was, uh, um, was going to be a cop or something in, in – uh, uh, in in Canada and wanted to go that route, um, but but why would you Why would you be the gatekeeper, so to speak? I mean, if they're throwing a lot of money at him, I could see it. But a fight like this could get him another big uh, another big payday against a, a significant opponent. I mean, could his does, could his interest have uh, have been increased a little bit uh, in this fight? Uh, looking at it as a, as an opportunity. Looking at the way he's performed over the last few years, even if his interest uh, uh, is back and he does want to give it one more run, considering the guys that we have holding the world titles minus Kovalev, you know it would be a bad idea, in my opinion, for Jean Pascal to even go down that road because I don't down that road because I don't see ending well for him. But you never know what's going through the mind of these guys. Uh, you brought up a good point just a few years ago. Jean Pascal wasn't even sure if he wanted to be a fighter or he wanted to go into uh, law enforcement. So you know this is a guy right here who's maybe on the fence. He doesn't know what to do. He's having a hard time giving up his boxing career. But then on the other hand, he doesn't really know what to do in the future. We've seen that before with a lot of guys, so only time will tell. And tonight will be a um, – tonight, you know, may just tell us that story exactly. What is next for John Pascal? This may be the uh, make or break the decision fight for him. 
One other fight I want to ask you about before we get to the to the big one is uh, Orlando Salido against uh, Mickey Roman. You know, it, it seems like a tale of two similar fighters fighting each other. I, it, it spells that we are going to have an action-packed fight. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm just confused about HBO and and some of their moves that they made um, in terms of uh, the length of this fight. They wouldn't allow it to be a, a for a, a belt or an interim belt, whatever the case is. But the matchup is definitely good, and in a way, I like the fact that they're showcasing uh, a fight between two guys that don't have those glamorous O records, which I which I really like. And, and the best part of this is, at least the way I see it, uh, Dax, is that it is going to be an entertaining fight. Both of them come with that kind of a style that will make an ent- entertaining fight. But like I said earlier with Sal, both guys have a tendency to come in either looking real good or looking not so much. And I think if they both come in looking real good, we're in for a treat. If one comes in slightly behind the other, it's going to be a boring fight. What do you think about this fight? I think, first of all, what you said there, and for a real treat, when either one of these guys are in there and they're performing at their best, it always is a treat. And, yes, you're right. Those numbers that they have behind them uh, seems to be, because of this error, those losses don't seem to sell. So they see a guy with 13 losses, 12 losses, or even five losses in this error. Why are they going to headline them and main event them? Because that's not what the fans are going to gravitate to, unfortunately. It's also a reason why, as I mentioned earlier this week, you have these younger fans naming Orlando Toledo as a Puerto Rican fighter. Not only a Puerto Rican fighter, but the greatest Puerto Rican fighter of all time, and you can't tell them any different. So um, as far as this goes, you know, who does have a little bit left? Both guys are definitely at the tail end of their career. Um, Earlier this year, uh, Roman was stopped by Takashi Miura in brutal fashion, and uh, Orlando Salido, as you stated earlier on, in his uh, last several fights, he's had a couple draws. He hasn't looked all that great, but I think maybe because Francisco, uh, I mean, I think maybe because uh, Miguel Roman hasn't had as much time to recover from that uh, Takashi Miura loss, that's going to work into the benefit of Orlando Salido. So I'm going to have to go with the, uh, I'm going to have to go with Salido here, and, you know, just slightly. But again, you know, at this point in time in their careers, that stage at many belts, you never know who's aged the most overnight. And finally, the big fight that most true boxing fans are, are looking forward to uh, is going to put Vasily Lomachenko up against Guillermo Rigondeaux, even though Rigondeaux is moving up uh, two weight classes, and even though uh, there is a uh, rehydration clause in this fight, um, it still seems to me like a bigger guy fighting a smaller guy. What's your thoughts on this fight? Your breakdown, your uh, you know who's going to win, etc., etc. 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 <laughs> you know, first of all, you know, this definitely is a super fight. Uh, you wouldn't know it by the way some of the fans are reacting, but it is truly a super fight. You know, it's taking place in an era of over overly built pay-per-view uh, showdowns with weak undercards and uh, these fighters that are mysteriously ranked in order to give these bell holders showcase bouts to help give an aura of invincibility. You know, it's truly an anti-era throwback type contest. When you look at both fighters, they've had such a similar path getting to where they are. You know, both of them are two-time Olympic gold medalists. Uh, both of them haven't been professional for the amount of time that you would think considering that they've had so much amateur experience and they're both, uh, is going to be 30 and Rigondeaux is leading into his late 30s, you know, but what you want to do is you want to look, to me, in my opinion, you know, exactly where does each guy stand right now? Rigondeaux, despite being older, I don't think he's more shop-worn than Lomachenko, 
Contrary to what a lot of people believe, I actually think he's the fresher fighter. Why do I think that? Because he had such a long gap since his amateur career, and he's only had those 17 fights until now, and a lot of guys haven't been willing to face him. So Rigondeaux has really had a lot of gaps of inactivity while staying in peak performance and peak shape. Uh, Lomachenko was not a big one-punch fighter, meaning you know we don't see him get guys out of there with a single punch. He needs a lot of volume. Rigondeaux is a guy that has at least to this point in time, been very hard to hit. Uh, most of all, what I think is that there is a reach advantage for Rigondeaux that's going to help him with his style that makes Lomachenko come forward. Lomachenko is very effective in the pocket, but you're only going to be in the pocket for short bursts of time. We've never seen Lomachenko have to come and actually press a fight and go around the ring. Rigondeaux has a chip on his shoulder. Why? Because boxing more or less has done that to him, whether or not they won't broadcast him because they bill him as boring, whether or not guys won't sign to fight him. Uh, you brought up something uh, earlier on I listened to that said they have him ranked number two at Super Bantamweight. Above him, they have Jesse Magdaliano. Jesse's a very good fighter, but he's not in the league of uh, Guillermo Rigondeau, and he hasn't even fought the competition Rigondeau has. Yes, they both beat Nonito Donaire, but when Rigondeau beat him, Nonito Donaire was a top-five pound-for-pound fighter. My official pick here is going to be Guillermo Rigondeau. Why? Because it's his last chance at a mega fight like this. He knows it. He's 37 years old, and he also has that style, as I can't stress enough, that Vasil Lomachenko has never dealt with. And that is going to be the difference in this fight to me. You know, it's going to be desire. It's going to be the chip on the shoulder. And it's going to be something Lomachenko has never dealt with. You know, Doc's interesting points. Yes. Um, do, you, do you have any idea of the of the purse for this fight? Because I, another thing is, is Rigondeaux really hasn't made a ton of money. And, um, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, and, and Lomachenko is, is, you know, getting in a position where he's going to be a high-paid fighter. Is Rigondeau being paid well for this fight? And, you know, is he looking at money as a motivator in terms of, you know, him knowing that he beats Lomachenko? You know, he's in for at least a huge payday, even if he's not being treated fairly for this fight. I believe that uh, Rigondeau is getting in the low hundred thousands, somewhere around the hundred twenty-five thousand. What I heard about a month ago, and I believe uh, Lomachenko is getting somewhere about around two and a half. So, uh, you know, as terms as uh, into the future, this is more or less, this is, remember, this is a fight that Rigondeaux asked for. Rigondeaux sought after Lomachenko. This is a guy who offered to give up all his titles if anybody who won them would guarantee that they would fight him first, just in order to get these big fights. Rigondeaux, uh, you know, it, it's beyond money now. You know, he wants to prove to the world he, uh, he already knows for himself what type of skill set he possesses. And, you know, that's something that's very frustrating for a fighter. And Rigondeaux, at 37 years old, he wants to get that done. He has one chance to make his legacy, and that, you know, that chance is here. Boxing has done Guillermo Rigondeaux wrong, along with Gary Hyde, who manages career horribly. So, you know, and that's more or less the motivator here for Guillermo Rigondeaux is I want to prove, I want to know that my amateur career and my professional career wasn't in vain. And I also think he's the last fighter under contract with Rock Nation because they're actually being billed as a co-promoter for this event. <laughs> Did yeah, you catch well, that? You know, Rock Nation, I have no opinion on Rock Nation because anything I have to say about Rock Nation is filled with profanity. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you and Sal, man, you guys got to gotta calm that crap down, you know. I mean, uh, between the two of you guys, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting in trouble here. <laughs> you know what? When you, when you can't even make a phone call to check on one of your fighters, how are you doing? You have, you have a company, you can't make a phone call? Wow. What type of person are you? Forget yeah. about what type, of, what type of person are you. You can't even send out a tweet on there hoping so-and-so is doing okay. 
Nah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Dax, thanks for coming on so quick, and uh, enjoy the fights. We're looking forward to your recap on Monday, my man. All right, one last thing. Uh, Bill, Sal, you guys talk about this after. You know, in my opinion, is this you know, a fight that both these guys actually needed? Because remember, over the last few fights, even though Vasyl Lomachenko has been very dominant, a lot of people have been criticizing him because he's been so dominant, saying that his opponents have been handpicked. Um, even the Nicholas Walters, they're saying he was handpicked uh, to go in there against uh, Rigandau, to, I mean, uh, Lomachenko to look good. And of course, we know Rigandau has a hard time getting fights at all. So, you know, you think this is a fight that both of them actually needed to get the fans interested in them again? Do I think that that's the case? Yes. Is that what you're asking? Um, yes. Yeah, so you, you think know, that's the case where they, they needed to fight each other because nobody can question the skill set of Rigging Down, nobody can question the skill set of uh, Lomachenko, but because they dominate all their other opponents, they make them look ordinary. And we're talking about elite caliber opponents. Everybody has actually questioned these opponents, and they're actually accusing them or uh, Lomachenko ever recently as you know getting handpicked opponents. What I find comical about that, Dax is they're probably the same type of fan that thinks Floyd Mayweather is so great. Anytime you get a guy that comes up and starts getting accolades, you start hearing that kind of uh, propaganda because that's, what I, that's the way I would like to, to look at it. It's propaganda. It's BS. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that, and, and, and we can see this as clear as day with the World Boxing Super Series, the American fighters, and they need to change this, but the American fighters seem to be looking at the easy road um, and, and they look at the least risk for the maximum amount of reward, which I'll be the first to admit is not a bad thing if you can get the most that you can for, for you know playing tiddlywinks. I get it. But the fact still remains that this sport is really, you're, 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 you're making or breaking your legacy, so to speak, in this sport by fighting the right guys, by having the right dance partners, by challenging yourself. And it just seems to me that guys that are from out of the U.S., like Rigandau and Vasily Lomachenko, uh, don't get the credit they deserve in the United States. If you talk to anybody else anywhere else, they recognize the same points you make. So I think that that's just coming from, uh, as all three of us agree, the ignorant young fan that really has bought into the smokescreen BS that has been crammed down their throat. I don't know if I can say it in any better way, to be honest with you. You know, uh, as for uh, the World Boxing Super Series, just, you know, to let the fans know, there is going to be a second World Boxing Super Series after this is done. So there is going to be another Muhammad Ali wow. Cup, and that's going to be announced in March, which weight classes are. And the one last thing on this fight, you know, it, it kind of uh, gives like this old feeling, doesn't it, Bill? Sal, you know, there's like as the days count down to this fight, these days seem long. You know, you, you're looking forward to it. It's going to be on free TV. It's taking place in Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this is 1981, 1982 again. That, that's how big and how significant this fight is. You know, that, 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 that's how much skill set that's going to be in there. And unfortunately, or I should say, I hope that a lot of these younger fans that fall for these hand-fed opponents and these showcase fights, they don't fall short and they truly appreciate what type of skill set is in there. Well, the only problem is, is that the, the, the uh, network itself, and I agree with everything you said, here we are, we're, we're, we're lined up, the, the, you know, the bullseye is set, and what does ESPN do? They pull the only boxing guy out of the mix, uh, aside from Timothy Bradley, out of the broadcast. And they moved Mark Kriegel in there. 
What's your thoughts about that? That guy's a clown. How does it? I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. You know more than anyone uh, with about me, Dax, with, with uh, Teddy Atlas. But the truth of the matter is, is whether you agree with what he says and him spitting all over you when he gets mad, I mean, I, you know. But the truth of the matter is, is he's a boxing guy. Mark Kriegel is a writer that is, is posing as a boxing guy. I think this was a stupid, stupid mistake by ESPN. What's your quick thoughts on that? I believe so. And as far as Teddy Atlas goes, it doesn't matter if you like him, you dislike him. You know, some people tune in just because his style, uh, those rants. A lot of people look forward to those rants because they're amusing. But again, as you stated, he's a boxing guy and they're always on point. But what makes Teddy Atlas so special behind that microphone is, unlike all these other guys, even uh, Al Bernstein, as of late, you know, has become more or less a company man or a rah-rah man, however you'd like to call it. Teddy Atlas, those rants, what he says when he gets mad, those outbursts, they're genuine. They, you know, they're they're not scripted. They're, they're not for the cameras. They're genuine emotions that just, you know, come out of him at that point in time because of what he's feeling due to whatever took place at that moment. And that's what makes Teddy Atlas special above all these other guys. And that's generally why it's a shame because Teddy Atlas is going to tell the truth. Right or wrong, he's going to tell what he's feeling inside at that point in time in that moment. And Bachman doesn't have too many of those guys around anymore, if any, other than Teddy Atlas. Good point, Dax. Dax, Very we'll good. catch you on Monday, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy the fights. Uh, Dax Khan, you could check his uh, uh, column out up on BillyCBoxing.com. As a matter of fact, uh, without Dax, we wouldn't have uh, hardly any news up there because he's uh, working hard at getting us uh, all caught, caught up on that. Uh, but, uh, Sal, I, you know, this whole thing with, with Teddy Atlas, I, you know, Dax just made an interesting point about, uh, you know, the commentators today seeming to be following the company rule. Uh, you know, you got to say this, you got to say that, you don't say this, don't try to offend anybody, blah, blah, blah. And you and I were talking off air uh, the other day about um, Larry Merchant and how, you know, what he brought to the to the sport, uh, what we both didn't like about him. I mean, we don't have to get into that. But the truth of the matter is, is that for, for ESPN to make a move like this and kick a guy to the curb who's been kind of uh, their face, if not a good portion of their face, for almost two decades, 20 years, for a guy that came onto the scene and in one week clearly agitated Teddy enough for him to jump on his back, so to speak, um, you know, busting his balls, trying to expose the fact that Mark Kriegel was nothing less than a scribe, and that's what he is. And to have the scribe win over Teddy Atlas in terms uh, and in the eyes of the uh, suits or the exec at ESPN, I think that's laying the groundwork for what we may begin to see uh, in the very near future. What's your thoughts? Well, unfortunately, Bill, I think, you know, as you and I have discussed on air, off air, uh, this is the way some of these networks want to be perceived, that they are doing things as they can, politically correct. They're doing things where they can. They don't want to disrupt the apple cart. And God forbid one of their guys are called out on air. Uh, it's It could be devastating. So, you know, everybody's supposed to be uh, on even par. And uh, like I said, one of the things I do appreciate about Teddy Atlas is that he is a boxing guy, and win, lose, or draw, he's not gonna—he's not gonna change his opinion or voice anything different than what he actually sees, perceives, and believes. I like that. Sees, write that down. And I think that uh, you know, it is so true. And Teddy, it's a shame. It's a shame because whether you like him or not, the guy shoots from the hip, and he 
tells it like it is. And I think that's where we are in the era of commentating and sports announcing. We can't shoot from the hip. We can't look to uh, uh, make our other co-correspondents uh, look anything less than what they are. And uh, that's where the apple cart gets disrupted. And that's where the suits make the calls. And, hey, it is it is what it is. And like I said, you've got to always watch your, your dotting your I's and crossing your T's. That's it. And Teddy said something that uh, or several times that uh, looked like he was flexing his muscle, telling him what is right. And uh, they weren't ready for it. They didn't want it, especially when he was doing it with co correspondents. All right, so everybody listen. If you're watching or listening to this show, I want you to take this section right now that I'm about to say about ESPN, and you could do what you want with it. You can cut it out. You can forward it around. You can mark this spot on the YouTube and send it to everybody you know because here's the truth, all right? ESPN uh, has become kind of a joke even in sports. Hear me out. ESPN is the king of sports, right? ESPN broadcasts nothing but sports, right? Well, well, here's what's happening, all right? I have always said that the sport of boxing needs more boxing people in it. It's the only sport that will allow someone that has zero boxing knowledge and welcome them with open arms in the sport as long as they have a checkbook with some money in it. And it's starting to, to ease out into the corporate part of it. For example... I don't expect every boxing network, ESPN, HBO, et cetera, et cetera, to have a full-time boxing guy on staff as a suit, as an executive, as a business decision guy to decide which fights to take or which fights not to take. Obviously, that's not cost-effective. But what they should consider is hiring a consultant to help them match and have the best fights. Obviously, the guys that are making the decision for the boxing uh, on ESPN and HBO, etc., don't know a fish hook from a left hook. You know, it, a great example is when you put these guys that come in out of nowhere with a good-looking record against another guy, and they're being uh, that—that's a real fighter, and they get blown out. Okay, it's a joke, and so is taking a guy like Teddy Atlas out of the mix and leave you with no boxing people with the exception of Timothy Bradley. Joe Tessitore, he's the guy driving the bus. You got to have a guy like that. Mark Kriegel, no disrespect. I don't know Mark Kriegel. He didn't slit my tires. He didn't do anything to my family. I don't have anything against this guy personally, but he's a joke when it comes to boxing. He's a writer. He's a Dan Raphael, if you will. Dan Raphael is a great writer, but he's not a boxing guy. He doesn't know anything about boxing. I challenge anybody to take a piece that Dan Raphael wrote or Mark Kriegel wrote and show me something in that article that shows you that they know anything about boxing aside from taking and giving you the the uh, info, you know, the fight, the purse, the attendance, all the facts that you can get. Yes, they're reporters. They report that fact. I want a boxing guy that knows the difference between an overhand right and a hook to the body. I want a guy that knows the difference between uh, being able to, to, to move and hit effectively on the move and avoid a punch or block a punch or, or, or deflect a punch or have a punch graze because you're moving your head. I want to be able to see and hear from a guy that knows that. Teddy Atlas is a guy that knows that. And here's another thing to consider about ESPN. I watch ESPN during the day a lot with the sound off. And let me tell you, I will challenge you to find a show 
that ESPN puts on on a regular basis without some hot-looking chick that's what, that's doing the show. Do you think these women are that big on sports? I hope so, because a lot of times I think that they're just there for the eye candy. They're all there for the ratings. And maybe that's why ESPN made the decision uh, to cut loose uh, Teddy Atlas for an event. Just maybe they're trying to roll the dice and see if their viewership numbers go up because there's people that complain about Teddy Atlas's honesty and his to the point. And what I complain about Teddy is if you don't agree with Teddy, you're wrong. I don't agree with that. I think that that is a wrong thing by Teddy Atlas. But nonetheless, I've learned to deal with it. No, in boxing, we need boxing people. And that's the big problem with the sport of boxing. And mark my words, don't be surprised if you start to see some hot-looking woman that's joining the ESPN boxing broadcast because they're eye candy. That's it. And I'm not, hey, listen, I'm an advocate for women and women's sports. There's no question about it. Uh, I have uh, two daughters that I, I was involved with. Uh, all through uh, their schooling and everything else uh, in the sports arena. So I don't want to hear from anybody that I'm, that I'm being a chauvinist because I'm not because there's plenty. Uh, like Susie Kober uh, is actually one of the most knowledgeable football people. Forget if she's a, a, a man or a woman. <laughs> well, no, that didn't sound right. She's a woman, of course. She's a hot-looking woman. But the truth of the matter is she's a knowledgeable woman. So I'm not – I'm digging a hole here, I think, Sal. Yeah, I'm uh, going to uh, you know, Help me out here. I need, I need an elevator quick. But no, the, tr wait, the wait, truth. Do this, Bill. The, the truth. The, the truth of the matter is, is that if they're knowledgeable, fine. If they're eye candy, eh, not so much. Though I enjoy the channels. Hey, Sal, what's your thoughts on this? I need to pass the ball pretty quickly. I was, I was afraid of that. <laughs> well, you are right. I mean, on some level here, Bill, and I agree with you. You know, ESPN. I, I mean, the early days, we saw where it was evolving. I mean, I. When I was fighting on ESPN, you had Sal Marciano, you had Al Bernstein, you had even Steve Albert once or twice here and there, and and these guys were were making the names yeah. for themselves. Steve, hey, yeah, let me up. introduce, let me interrupt, interrupt you from. I'll be yeah. like Slip Mahoney. Let me introduce you for a minute. Uh, but no, the 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 thing is, Steve Albert, it, the way you just said, yeah, he even he would show up once or twice. But oh, <laughs> by the way, they just put him in the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, I, I think they confused him with, with some of the other guys. But, you know, Steve Albert, Hall of Famer. Come on, Jim Gray, Hall of Famer. Give me a break. Jim Gray, I'd like to beat him with a baseball bat. Go ahead. Finish your thoughts, Al. I forgot where I was. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, and ESPN has been a flagship, has been a, a great network for boxing and other sports as well. And, you know, like I said, the suits are in that room and they're making some calls and they're just tweaking a little bit. Is it? Have you seen anywhere that uh, that that uh, that they're making definite plans to to no longer have Teddy Atlas back on? I don't know, but I think you know they're trying to create a little uh, mix here and see what they're doing to roll the dice. And like I said, they're not marketing to you and I; they're marketing to the casual boxing fan and the guys that are going to look at uh, uh, certain things on the announcing and that uh, that are more uh, uh, level-based or, or receptive and, and uh, you know, without the credibility having to be questioned. That's all. I well, they, that's the plan. they did say, in ESPN's defense, they did announce that they are going to have Teddy Atlas doing a pre-recorded, um, you, you know, little show, a little, little snippet during the broadcast. Uh, but, you know, they also mentioned that 
you know, they got a lot of uh, uh, response from fans that were negative towards Teddy Atlas because of his criticisms on Mark Kriegel. And the truth of the matter is, is he was right. You know, and, and you know, I mean, we're, we're, we've become that, that's, the people in this country are so delicate that we can't. How does Colin Kaepernick win Person of the Year award? I, I don't know. I, oh, I don't know. He's caused oh, more oh, grief man, than anything. Get and he gets, per, he gets Person of the Year award. Oh, I mean, whoa. give me a break. Give me a break about that. But but that's a whole nother ball game. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it's such right. a joke because somebody wanted to look good by giving him an award, even though all the negativity that he brought. And the truth of the matter is, it has nothing to do with his own uh, stance because his stance would have been fine and he would have gotten a lot more people to back him uh, financially uh, if he would have just chose another way to protest instead of taking our uh, national anthem and, and, and our uh, military, you know, and, and tie them in with it. And then to have everybody else follow it for other reasons other than what Colin was doing uh, is a joke. But that that's besides the point. Uh, it really is. I better move on. Here, here's the, here's no, today's. I, I, I think you're good. I think you're good. Keep it up, man. I want to see more fire. Stoke it, man. Nah. <laughs> I'm burning. I, well, it's, I'm being, I'm being you are. I think I was going to take your blood pressure I, and your temperature. I'm being consumed by flames right now. So uh, before <laughs> I burst into any more flames, uh, let's go to our let's go to the videotape. No, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to uh, uh, our trivia question. Listen, if you're the first one to email me, uh, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com with the answer to this question. You will win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. Now, if you want a copy of the computer game anyway, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on title bout banner, which you can't miss. Um, the question is, I captured my first title, uh, my first world title on my first try, but once I lost it, it took me 12 years and five attempts before I would win another title. Who am I? If you know this answer, email me, billy at talking. Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Don't forget, email me your top five or top ten, you know, somewhere between five and ten fights of 2017, and we'll read it on air. We had a great list uh, that we read the other day, and uh, I'm looking for your list. So go back and remember. And we were talking about a fight just today that took place in January, but though Jack. Uh, uh, going up against the gal, which was an exciting fight in the beginning of 2017. And it's a fight that's been forgotten already. Uh, those are the kinds of fights that we've already had this year. So go back in your memory banks and uh, send me your email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Your top five fights or 10 fights, however many you want to put in there, of 2017. And like I said, they do not have to be high-name fights, high-profile fights. It could have been a fight that you witnessed at a club show. And trust me, I know everybody that's been to a club show can contest to this, can, can attest to this, <laughs> can contest them into this, Sal. You know, there's a, there's a satchel. Slip, hey, Slip Mahoney, yeah. There's a Slip Mahoney, you know. But uh, uh, I'm sure they can attest to this, that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, – uh, a lot of club show fights are great, and and most of the time, the only people that get to see them are the people in attendance, and that's what makes them so great, and that's why you have to go and support your local promoter. But uh, send me your list. We're open for it. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to these fights. I'm looking forward to talking about them on Monday. And uh, before anybody sends me an email, what happened to our post-fight shows? Nothing. We're going to keep doing post-fight shows. We're in the middle of doing some upgrades behind the scene that you are going to be very impressed with come 2018. So that's all I'm going to say. But uh, anyway, hey, listen. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We have a bunch of good ones that we'll be talking about. And, uh, you know, we will keep you posted on our schedule next week. I believe Friday uh, is the day we're off next week, but we will let you know on Monday. Um, but uh, And no, we're not going to four days. It's just for the holiday schedule because in case you don't know, that fat guy in the red suit, you know, with the white trim, he's going to be dropping down the chimney uh, in a couple of weeks. So uh, he's fattening up. I, I, I heard rumors he's been eating over at Sal's uh, to uh, yes. put on the extra weight he needs. But uh, – uh, anyway, listen, enjoy the fights this weekend, but make sure you tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.